This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. So, you know, as I was just saying, Robin, I've started my work with schools again. And of course, there's a lot of questions about what we need to pay attention as we're coming back to this school year. As we're sitting here recording this, things are really pretty dynamic and changing in terms of what school is going to look like or not look like. I remember in May saying to you probably and saying to families, you know what? Oh my gosh, we're getting these vaccines and school is going to really look normal when we go back next fall. That said, and knowing that the stuffing's been knocked out of a lot of families for the last 18 months, I just want to talk about the things that you as parents should pay attention to. Welcome to Fluster Clucks with Lynn Lyons, where we talk about worry and other big feelings in parenting. I'm your co-host, Robin. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law, and I'm here to ask your questions. And I'm Lynn Lyons. I'm an anxiety expert, speaker, mom, and author, and I've been a therapist for over 30 years. Parenting can be a Fluster Clucks, and I'm here to help you find your way. Hey, Lynn, it's back to school season, and I know historically this is your busiest time of the year. Why is that? Well, Robin, it's because <laughs> <laughs> it's because it's back to school season. Sorry, I've had a little too much coffee this morning. <laughs> I think it's my busiest time of the year in general because I do a lot of work with schools, and so they're all gearing up, and they have these opening day professional development things, and they're trying to get the teachers ready to go. And then, of course, parents are trying to get their kids ready to go. You'll remember way back in May, I say May is my craziest month because the end of the school year brings up a whole lot of stuff for kids with anxiety and worry. August and back to school season is my busy month busiest month just because logistically everybody's trying to figure everything out. It's sort of like this clock is ticking. I go through July and then August starts and then any day now I'm going to start hitting the road and doing more trainings and opening day stuff and talking to parents and teachers and getting emails from families saying, oh, we're starting this new school. We need to see you. So yeah, it's just busy. And this is our first episode of season four. Mm -hmm. And we have a couple of resources to help families because we know this time of year, the extra support is welcome. Yes. So we have launched our first course for parents about their children, How to Manage Anxiety in Children, A Parent's Guide. This is a self-paced course with Lynn and then Q&A from Lynn and me that will surely help you get this new school year off on a good start. It's a great supplement, I think, to those who've read your book. Mm -hmm. Because I think that these types of things, if you're a regular podcast listener, you hear them over and over again, and then they just sort of keep clicking on a new deeper level the longer mm -hmm. that you're into this. Yeah. It takes a while to absorb it. And I think this is a, I like this course because it's very direct. It's very concrete. I always aim to be that way. It talks about the most important things that I teach families and just the things that are really helpful to parents so that they have the language. If their kid starts freaking out about something, or if you have a child that's a worrier, or if you're a worrier, here's what you do, 
right? That's always what I'm talking about. Here's what we do. What I also love is that there is a, a special section of the course where you've made a video and you're talking directly to the kids. Yes, that's true. And I think that the tools that you talk about are great for ages six and up. But I do think that if you have younger children, you can absolutely adapt to this and start setting the groundwork. As they get more sophisticated, you can engage with your approach, you know, on a deeper and deeper mm -hmm. level. Yeah, all of that is true. So for everyone who's listening who feels like they might need a little bit of an extra boost as your kids are starting school this year, after you've listened to this episode on Sunday night in our Facebook group for the podcast, we'll have a live Q&A for people just so that they can get some questions answered for the most pressing things that are happening in their families right now. So join us in the Facebook group on Sunday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. That sounds like a good time. <laughs> well, I'll see you there. <laughs> All right. So I think we need a little progress report. This is my list of what I'd like you to check in with in your family, in your kids to see how you're doing. It's like a mental health progress report. Yeah. To go down this list and say, you know, how are we doing? I've even been saying to schools, it might be a good idea for you to, to send out a survey and have your families rank these things on a scale of one to 10. So you can gather a little data about where kids are. And so you could do this with your family. You could do this and sit down and say, where do you think we're doing on this? All right, here I go. Ready? Here's my list. First thing I want everybody to pay attention to, to really see where you are is loneliness. Loneliness is one of the states of being and I've probably said this before, I've been doing this job for over 30 years. Loneliness still gets me. When I hear kids and adults talk about the fact that they're lonely, that still breaks my heart. That's when I really want to jump in and fix it, which I know that I can't do all the time, but loneliness gets me. So think about that with your child and with yourself too. On a scale of one to 10, where is loneliness fitting in? If it is a number that makes you feel concerned or uncomfortable, if as I'm talking about this, your own parent heart is feeling a little heavy about that, it's really important for you to pay attention to. And unfortunately, it's one of the things that makes my heart so heavy and it's not a quick fix. It's not something that I can just say, well, do this or do that. But here are some things that you want to do. For one, talk to your child about it. And in one of our summer nuggets, we talked about not saying the word because you don't want to bring it up and how that's a problem. We want to talk about it. It's okay for you to say to your child, it seems to me that you're a little lonely or to ask them on a scale of one to 10, one being not lonely at all and 10 feeling really heavy with loneliness, where are you right now? And start talking very directly about it. What do you do about loneliness? It means that you have to increase somehow the contact that your child has with other children, other teens, other adults. You need to get them in the mix. We need to increase the traffic flow so that they're more likely to make connections rather than being isolated. 
I think that it's important to acknowledge that just because your child is around other children, they can still be lonely because yes. that's when it comes into your approach of breaking it down to skills. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a room of other kids, if you're at a summer camp with other kids, if you're in a class with other kids and you aren't able to make connections, then how can you assist your child in learning those skills? That is one like concrete approach to that is try to figure out making friends is a skill that can be taught mm-hmm. and it's a conversation to to definitely have. Yeah. And you could be as concrete as coming up with questions to ask. You can say when you're in a group, this is how you connect. This is how you reach out. This is how you figure out who's a good fit. You can talk about that really concretely. Absolutely. That's such a good point is that just because you're around people doesn't mean that you're not lonely for sure. It's about skills. The other thing too, when we're talking about when we're talking about loneliness and connection, is it's also really helpful to if you have a child who tends to be more extroverted or has an easy time making friends, if you have a kid who would rate themselves one on the lonely scale because they're really good at that, talk to them about keeping their eyes open for kids that are perhaps more isolated or for kids that are lonely. And be very direct in saying that the job of someone who's good at this is to offer a helping hand to those of us who aren't. And that's really a wonderful thing. That's empathy. That's teaching your child to look around and see where their gifts can be used. And I think that's a wonderful thing to talk about our kids as we're starting the school year. There was an article in the New York Times that was written by two really prominent researchers and observers of social behavior. And one of the things they talked about, which really I thought was so well stated is that when kids are on phones and they walk into a group, you walk into the cafeteria, and this is for, say, we're talking about teenagers or even college students, that in the old days, if you walked into a college classroom, like you're starting college and there's a lecture, or you're walking into the cafeteria in high school, everybody was sitting there and everybody's sort of looking around. You didn't have something to look at to keep you occupied. So somebody would sit down next to you And you'd say like, hi, I'm Lynn. And they'd say, hi, I'm Sarah. And then where are you from? Talk to your kids about how when you are entering new situations, if you have your head in your phone and that's what you're using to to distract yourself or to entertain yourself, you're not noticing the people that are coming in and you're missing out on that opportunity to make connections. I thought that was such an important thing to talk about. This is not even with kids and teens. So if you talk about adults attending business conferences Mm -hmm. and having network sessions, the phone is such an issue now that there are some meetings where you can put a sticker on your name tag that basically is like, even if I'm on my phone in my network session, come talk to me. Like, how did we get here? That's so interesting. I didn't know they did that. Well, but and as I was talking about this, I was like, oh, yeah, so this would be for adults too, because I'm thinking about the conferences that I go to. I'm thinking about the groups that I'm involved in. 
And, you know, I mean, we're a bunch of therapists. We love to talk to people, but sometimes, not all the time, by the way, but going into an auditorium full of people and sitting down next to people, you would just automatically strike up a conversation. Now you go down and you sit next to somebody and we just go on, we just start looking at our phones. That's so true. So the sticker means it's okay to interrupt me when I'm on my phone. Like I'm open to networking and what it's also enabling those adults who always hated networking, they Uh just found they have a social anxiety, they hate small talk, whatever. They then get their crutch. Yeah. They get to just go over and hide in the corner and be on their phone. Yeah. It's unfortunate that that is culturally where we're at. Yeah. I always try and have a conversation with my kids about whenever we had a great day with other people, you know, I always say like, I just want you to notice like how much fun did you have today? Or how much Mm -hmm. did you fun did you have at summer camp? And then I'll always say, and tell me the role that phones had in that. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, there weren't any phones around. Mm -hmm. And I'm always like, exactly. Right, right. So teaching them early on that you're missing out on opportunities with the phone is, is really critical. Okay. Yeah. All right. So everybody pay attention to loneliness and pay attention to loneliness in terms of isolation. So do you have to increase the traffic? Do you have to get your kids out into the world? And I know, of course, right, COVID, but as school is starting, pay attention to that. Increase the likelihood that your kids are going to be interacting, bumping into so to speak, other kids that share their interests or that are going to be open to making connections. It is an active process. Robin and I travel a lot. And part of traveling is that you learn that you have to compromise, right? So maybe you're not going to get the best seat on the plane. Well, you know where you shouldn't compromise? You shouldn't compromise with your health care. When it comes to your health, There's no compromising, everybody. Don't go back to that one doctor who didn't really pay attention to you, who rushed you through your appointments. Check out ZocDoc. This is the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, insurance. So literally no compromises here. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately. You don't have to wait. You don't have to be on hold with a receptionist. These doctors all have verified reviews from real patients. So the typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is just between 24 and 72 hours. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments. I have two young adult sons. They are always needing something, right? We've had broken elbows. We've had tonsils. We've had this. We've had that. If I were a young person, if I were a parent trying to help my young person find a doctor, this is what I would use. So Go to ZocDoc.com slash Fluster and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash Fluster. ZocDoc.com slash Fluster. Picture the thing that you've always wanted to learn, and now picture that you're learning it from the person who's literally the best in the world at it. 
It's fantastic. And that's what you get with Masterclass. I recently listened to Matthew Walker's talk on sleep and the importance of consistency with sleep. I loved Bobby Brown's Masterclass, gave me all these tips about putting on makeup because, you know, I'm in front of a camera sometimes and I want to look good. And Bobby was such a big help. So this year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass actually helps you do it. Like I actually put on makeup the way that Bobby Brown taught me how to put on makeup. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass actually helps you do it. Masterclass offers over 180 instructors. So whether you want to master negotiation with Chris Voss, think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or maybe you want to learn how to just make your makeup look better with Bobby Brown or sleep better with Matthew Walker, with Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. I loved it. There are over 200 classes to pick from. New classes are added every single month, like a class that talks about your gut health. So many interesting things to learn. So every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's absolutely no risk. Right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash Fluster. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash fluster. Masterclass.com slash fluster. I have a parenting question to ask you that I know is very universal. Okay. So say you have a more introverted kid and you're always wanting to see them increase their traffic. Mm -hmm. And you say it's the beginning of a new year and I'd like for you to consider this activity blank this activity lesson. It is something that interests them and you're telling them this will increase your chance of finding people who like what you do. And they Mm -hmm. say, no. What do you do? What do you do? Yeah. So you have to have it just, just expand that conversation because if you make it a yes or no question, they're going to say no. Right. So that's one of the things we pay attention to. If you say to your child, would you like to engage in this activity? I think you'll meet new friends. What do you think? Yes or no? They'll go, no, no. So you say, okay, so we have, we have something that we need to talk about. And I've noticed that we can blame it on COVID if you want, right? You can say that this has been a time where people have been really isolated and disconnected and we're starting this new school year. So let's talk about activities that you're going to do that would allow you to connect with other people because that's really important. And I know it's hard for you and I know your first response is going to be no. That's what's going to come out of your mouth. No, but let's talk about this and let's think about this. The other thing too, parents, is that it's really okay if you can find a buddy to do the activity with. Sometimes parents will say to me, well, she'll only take that art class if she knows her friend is attending. And for kids that are really introverted, for kids that have a lot of worry about stepping into new activities, it really is okay to use the buddy system. So if you can team up with somebody, that's great. Sometimes parents say, well, it doesn't really count if she if she won't do it alone. It doesn't really count. Not true. We just have to get them into the activity. So have the conversation, be really direct, say, I know this is something that you have difficulty with. Let's think about how we can do it. Let's think about how we can make it happen because I don't want you to feel lonely. And be very clear about that. 
And you may have to have more than one conversation about it for sure. All right. So since it's back to school, we have to talk about academics and learning. And I haven't heard the phrase, Robin, have you been hearing the phrase learning loss recently? Recently? I don't think I'm hearing it as much now because it's been the summertime. I heard it a lot uh, at the conclusion of the school year, you know, in May and June of this year. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I haven't been hearing it that much. And maybe it's just because we haven't cranked back up into the school year yet. I also wonder if the message that a lot of us were giving, not just me, but all the people worried about the social and emotional health of children, I wonder if that sunk in a little bit, that we really need to put the, that that these kids need to be, as we say, available to learn. And so the emphasis on learning loss and the emphasis on academics and the emphasis on making sure that kids are meeting their benchmarks has has dissipated a little bit as we get ready for this school year. I'm not sure. I just am not hearing it that much. We'll see how it goes. But you'd like it too. Yeah. Well, I just think, you know, this. I was talking about this at the beginning of, of last year too, um, is that we're not going to get kids to be able to learn if they are struggling with worry and depression and if they're disconnected and there are other needs that need to be met, right? So it's all about preparing, preparing kids in a holistic way, emotionally and relationally, so that they're available for learning. I think that, I think that over the past few months, I think it's been more evident for many people to see that many things are off track as a result of the pandemic in a way that we didn't really know what to expect before. Because Mm -hmm. when you think of the economy and you think of certain industries being impacted, you know, you think of, you know, I work in travel, hospitality, can't hire back up, distribution of goods that people are trying to buy. Like, I think everyone now accepts that there are these uh, trickle effects mm-hmm. that are pervading many things. And so the learning loss is, you know, it's just something we have to accept yeah. or shift what we perceive about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think too, so, all right. So, so as we're, as how do you talk to your kids about this and what do I want you to do in terms of this progress check of learning loss? The main thing as a parent that I want you to do is to not talk about it much. (laughs) I thought you were going to (laughs) say. I was like, where's she going with this? I don't think she's going to say, don't talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say something else a little more direct, but my mother keeps reminding me that I'm not allowed to swear on the podcast. She just brought that up with me yesterday. Did she? Yeah. Because she's my mother-in-law. Yeah. Mom, we're not swearing that much. And also, everyone, ironically, my mother swears a lot. (laughs) Okay. But anyway, that's that said. Hi, Mom. (laughs) <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, so just don't talk about it. You don't have to talk about it in, in, in when you're going and getting your school supplies and you're going and doing your back to school shopping and all the things and talking about which teacher that you're going to get and what your schedule is and all that kind of stuff. Just keep it pretty matter of fact and stay away from anything that hints at, I hope that you can 
keep up this year? Or after that really hard year, I hope you're not behind. Or what is it going to, what is it going to be like to go back to school? And all of that, all, and we'll talk about back to school anxiety in a moment, but just the academic part of it, just let it ride a little bit. Well, everything you just said, and more examples I can think of in my head, you're sending the message to your child, I hope you're not ill-equipped. Or I think you're ill-equipped. That's not the message you send them when they're going off to start a new year. Right, right. I hope you can do this. What if you're not good enough? Um, A place to really pay attention to it is in this achievement culture that we talk about a lot. Whether or not your kids are taking enough AP classes, what it's going to look like when they start their college applications. Oh my gosh, we had this crazy year and now you've got to make up for all the things that you might have missed last year. And how are you going to get everything done that you need to get done so that you look good in the college application, all that kind of stuff. Back off on that. This is a very different time. Everybody knows it's a different time. And I think there are some things that are going to come forward in terms of college applications and all that kind of stuff, but just parents chill. It's going to be okay. The world is a different place right now. The world is a different place in so many different ways. You've got to adapt and stop trying to shove the same approach to academics that we had prior to the pandemic, which by the way, was stressing your kids out and now try and apply it as we start in 2021. It's not going to work. Let's at least try and learn some things from what we've been through instead of going back to that same process or doing it even more anxiously and more adamantly because you're worried about what's been missed. It's almost like these are the issues of the parents more than they are actually the issues of the kids. So you're catching on, Robin. <laughs> I'm trying. Okay. So say that, say it is an issue with the kids, right? Say Say you do have a junior in high school who's freaking out because they feel like they have to make up what they missed last year. Or they have to get back into this crazy schedule that w- they were in. Or say you have a kid that says, you know, I don't want to do this again. It was so hard to do it online, or it was so crazy the way we were doing it before. I don't know how I'm going to be able to keep up with this academic schedule that we put in place. Listen to that. Pay attention to that. This is an opportunity for you to step back from all of the craziness that was going on before the pandemic that was then exacerbated during the pandemic, this is an opportunity. Please, can we just be less crazy? That's what I'm just, I I don't think that's a big ask. Is that a big ask? That we be less crazy? It feels like it these days. (laughs) Well, remember, we talked that little adjustments matter. So if you're, if you feel crazy, I'm not saying you have to be totally not crazy, just be less crazy. How's that? Well, you talk about the high school population, but let's say you have an elementary school age child who had a different learning experience this past year where traditionally they would be further along in reading with, you know, with in-person school because they needed that extra assistance. Mm-hmm. Like, like it is known that your child didn't get the same amount of, of teaching mm-hmm. and therefore they aren't in the same place of reading or writing and those basic things where I think you're going to have a lot of anxious parents in that camp too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you don't really want them to say that to their child either. I hope you catch up, right? Right, right. And and of course, I mean, again, a lot of it is that you do hope that they catch up, but we've got to recognize, we've got to look at the big picture here. 
This is the long play. It's not about, okay, so we've got to catch up. You're a little bit behind, so let's just put the pedal to the metal and get you to catch up. It's going to take some time. And it's It's also just going to take a little bit of time as you enter the school year to figure out where your kids are. I just saw a study that, that showed that the group of kids that sort of disappeared the most from learning, actually, were kindergartners and, in particular, low-income kindergartners really got left behind. And so they're paying attention to that. And we're going to have to figure out how to manage that. But just give yourself some time, slow down. The other thing we need to to talk about too, is that there are kids who have special academic needs. There are kids that are on the spectrum. If you have a child who has a processing disorder, if you have a child who's, who's dyslexic, those kids are really going to need extra support It's going to take time. So I think patience is really the word that I'm saying here. And it's not that we don't need to do more. And it's not that we're not going to have to pay attention to how do we get these kids the support they need. But as a parent, take your foot off the gas. It's a different start of a school year this year. You're going to have to adjust to it. And let your kids know that. Don't have that contagious revving up of, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Right? Let it unfold Take your time, patience, patience, patience. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. The next thing on the progress report that I want you to check in with parents is sleep. So we've been talking about this a lot. And during the pandemic, you heard me say that a lot of kids' sleep patterns got really messed up very quickly, particularly if you've got a tween or a teen, kids staying up really late, sleeping in. I know for a fact, because I talked to these kids, that a lot of that continued during the summer. So once that pattern got established, kids were staying up, continued to stay up two, three, four in the morning and sleeping till one, two in the afternoon. 
You cannot change this, what is now a pretty long sleep pattern in a week. So if this pattern has been going on for, it could be over a year now, it's going to take some time to change it. As you're listening to this, it's the end of August. So I hate to break it to you, but maybe you should have started sooner. But that said, pay attention to how you really want to directly talk to your kids and you want to directly put things in place that are going to get them back on a better sleep pattern. One of the ways that you can check in and you do this progress report is what was the good, solid sleep patterns that you had prior to the pandemic? If your kids had pretty consistent bedtimes, if you were able to put them into bed, if they were staying in their bed, if your teenagers were taking some responsibility or a lot of responsibility for making sure that they were getting adequate sleep, which is always a challenge with teenagers. If you, for example, were one of the parents that said no phones in the bedroom and that pattern has gone by the wayside, now it's time to implement those good patterns again. Think about the things that you were doing well during the pandemic, what would be the grade you would give your family for sleep prior to the pandemic and begin now, if you haven't already, working back to those sleep patterns. Pay attention to the habits that were created during the pandemic and how you want to undo them. And you can't do it overnight, particularly if we're talking about a long-term pattern, but get to work on it very directly Talk to your kids about it, have a meeting about it, set some goals, get to work on it. If kids are not getting adequate sleep, it makes everything harder. Just like with you, if you're not getting adequate sleep, it makes everything harder. So Lynn, now I think this is the main topic, of course, and this is going to be anxiety and worry. About going back to school. Okay, so back to school anxiety is a very popular topic every August, every September, back to school anxiety. So let's talk about that. Anxiety wants certainty. Anxiety wants to know exactly what's going to happen. In the normal course of going back to school, there's a lot of uncertainty. You don't know what day you're going to have PE. You don't know who's going to be in your class. You don't know who you're going to sit with at lunch. You don't know the new bus route. You don't know the new teacher, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So back to school worry, and, and, and I think actually I'd like to talk, talk about it in terms of back to school uncertainty is absolutely normal. It's par for the course. We're starting something new. It's going to show up. This year, it's probably going to be a little heightened because remember we had a pandemic and because even as we speak in many schools, what things are going to look like are not clear in a lot of places. So here's what you can talk to your kids about. You can say, you know what? Back to school uncertainty is a normal thing. And we had a lot of practice with uncertainty this past year, didn't we? We had a lot of practice not knowing exactly what school was going to look like. We had to make changes. We had to adapt. You can give some examples. Remember the time we thought it was going to be this way and then it went this way. I want you to talk to kids about how they can handle all of the changes, all of the adaptations, all of the flexibility that families went through. So talk about that and talk about how when you start this new school year, 
you're going to have to tolerate the uncertainty of not knowing exactly how things are going to look. And that's a normal part of life. And it's a normal part of a school year. And it's certainly going to be a normal part of this school year. Have you ever wished you could work with Lynn to talk about your family? Here's your chance. We're excited to announce the second Fluster Clucks Parenting Retreat at Canyon Ranch in the Berkshires. This two-night retreat will feature small group workshops with me and Lynn, a private consultation with Lynn, and all of the amenities of Canyon Ranch, a luxury wellness destination. It's not just a spa. It's so much fun. So much fun. Everything that I teach is really about emotional management, handling worry when it shows up, but it is so focused on prevention. These are skills that every family needs to know so that we can get ahead of this thing and you can have wonderful joy and connection with your kids. So let's talk about the parents because what I'm seeing from my friends on social media is a lot of parents have anxiety about if their kids are or not wearing masks. Mm -hmm. And then the other one that I, the meme I'm seeing go around with my friends in different school districts around the country is that you'll be notified of lice if your kids are exposed to lice at school, but you will not be notified if they're exposed to COVID at school. Mm -hmm. So that, that is a pretty big chunk of, uncertainty and lack of control that's going to really trigger a lot of parents. So they can't necessarily do anything about it. So what would their mantra be that you recommend? The mantra I would recommend is to take it step by step. Do not go too far ahead. Because that's what worry wants to do. Remember, it wants to jump far into the future. It wants to what if. In this time of, like you say, Robin, a lack of control, I want you to focus on problem solving and I want you to focus on step by step. And talking to your kids about what you can control and what you can't control, that's an important differentiation to make for your kids to be able to talk to them in a non-catastrophic, non-whipped-up way about how, as a family, we are going to continue to make decisions and figure things out as these problems present themselves. You, as a parent, are going to do a lot of worrying and a lot of maybe you know talking with your friends and a lot of thinking about how to manage all of this that's coming your way. It is really okay to protect your kids from a lot of these anxious discussions and give them concrete instructions. One of the things that that when you hit middle school, when you start hitting adolescence, one of the things that is a very popular topic for kids to talk about is hypocrisy. That's why it's challenging sometimes to parent middle schoolers because they're calling you out like, well, you said this, but you did this. And so having a conversation with your kids when they're noticing this hypocrisy, I've seen too, the other meme is that um, my kid can get sent home if her shorts are a little too short because we have a dress code, but we we won't say that you have to wear a mask. Like all of this, this, this hypocrisy. So talk to your kids about that. 
let them know that it absolutely doesn't make sense or that the rules are hard to understand or that there's inconsistency in what people are doing and have those conversations. Just keep your emotional fret out of it as much as you can and say, we're going to figure this out. We're going to talk about it. We're going to do it step by step by step. If you get whipped up about this, if you are talking to your kids and if you're panicking and if you're catastrophizing, your kids are going to hear that from you. They're going to model that from you. It's really about problem solving, keeping that part of your brain engaged. Well, that's great, Lynn. This was a great checklist to think about as we start our new school year. And if you've listened and you have a question about your family, join our Facebook group because we will go live on Sunday night at 8.30 Eastern and answer a few listener questions there just so that we can help you launch this new school year with as much success as possible. And the language that you need with your kids to just feel a little more confident as you step into this. And I think probably... The, the overall message that I want to give everybody is that you need to do stuff about this, right? You need to think about it. You need to talk about it. You don't need to fret about it. There is a big difference, everybody, between ruminating and problem solving. So if you're thinking about it, if you're worrying about it, take some steps, have conversations, be open with your kids about it so that you show your kids that action counts making decisions, putting a plan in place. That's the opposite of just the repetitive negative thinking that we get stuck in. You go over that well in our new course. I think no matter where you're at on the anxiety scale in your family. Yeah. The new course is called How to Manage Anxiety in Children. It's for parents. It's not a clinical course. It's directly for parents. I talk about a certain topic. And then Robin and I have a Q&A where she asks your questions. She steps in in that great role that she has of being the parent saying, well, what about this? What about this? It's very concrete. And I think it'll be super helpful as we go into this new school year. And the link's in the show notes and on our website. So hope to see you Sunday and welcome to season four. Yeah. Welcome to season four. Woohoo! Do you know, can I just say this one thing? Oh, Um, please. Yeah. Your husband, my brother, is four years younger than me. And when we were little, we got rabbits. My sister got a rabbit, I got a rabbit, and our little brother got a rabbit. It was just about at his fourth birthday, and he named his rabbit number four, (laughs) which I found appalling. (laughs) Because there wasn't a fourth (laughs) rabbit? No, because... I named my rabbit, the other rabbits were named Skippy and Happy, which are very appropriate rabbit names. And then he comes in, he named his rabbit number four. Now, when I think about that now, like how cute is that, right? That's totally adorable. But as an eight-year-old girl with a rabbit, that was such a dumb rabbit name. I couldn't believe it. Now, of course, it's as cute as can be. Yeah. So anyway, when you say season four, yoo-hoo, I just think about number four, the rabbit. Did you end up Um, having a lot of rabbits? Well, we had a lot of rabbits, not because they bred and had babies, but because the rabbits kept getting eaten by weasels and foxes. And so we were always replacing the rabbits. So there was a lot of rabbits, but not in the wonderful way that you're thinking. I see. Mm -hmm. So then he had another rabbit called number 34. (laughs) Yeah, right. Number 34. He had another rabbit called fingers crossed. Yeah. (laughs) 
another rabbit called Slow Learners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh. So anyway, welcome to season four, everybody. We're so happy that you're with us. We hope to see you on Sunday night. So join the Facebook group so that you can ask Lynn your question on an upcoming episode. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Fluster Clucks. Bye, Robin. Bye, Lynn. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.